The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode 31, the Hunter Biden edition. I'm just kidding. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode 41, the death of the Chicago White Sox. And by the way, I want to give Phil credit. He came up with that episode name as I got a text this morning. and He said, hey, what are we going to talk about today? Death of the White Sox. You have reached the best place for cigars and Chicago sports. I will set the scene as I always do. Uh, we are at the place, 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois. The place is a cigar lounge. We encourage you to come join us anytime at 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois. Great atmosphere, great selection of premium cigars, great people, great conversation. You need to come down right now because that's where we are. You can also follow us on X at Cigars and Sports. And by the way, that used to be known as Twitter. Somehow now it's known as X. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. The last remnant, by the way, that they had of Twitter was retweeting. Yesterday, or uh, this morning, they they renamed retweeting, reposting. So yes, that's my uh, editorial on that. But you can follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Cigars and Sports. And you can get this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am smoking an Avo number nine, and I would like to co- introduce my co-host as always. Phil, how are you? What's happening? What are you smoking? Uh, you know, having a good time here. Uh, I, you know, I lit up a Padron 5000 today, uh, a little deep for me. I don't typically wander into the Maduro uh, range of cigars, but uh, maybe this old habit I get is allowing me to get into, venture into that, and it's, uh, it's a great smoke. A lot of guys like it here at the at the place, so I thought I'd give it a shot tonight. Excellent. Well, Phil, we're going to start out, interestingly enough, something I'm not sure that we've done before, with a little bit of breaking news, and I sent you this right before we began the show, and I don't know if you saw it. Unfortunately, Liam Hendricks, who, as you're well aware, came back from cancer this year, had a few outings, looked okay, um, then went on the DL, had Tommy John surgery today. They did not announce it. He will miss all of 2024, and I guess will potentially attempt to come back in 2025. The White Sox have an $18 million option on him next year, which one would assume that they will not pick up, even though they may give him some departure money. So it, for all intents and purposes, he is no longer part of the Chicago White Sox. So very sad. Among all of our other problems, Liam Hendricks is now gone forever. Uh, there were a lot of trades this this week. The White Sox were very active at the trade deadline and made a number of deals. And Rick Hahn proving that, you know what, it's really easy to make a bunch of trades of pretty good players and get back guys that nobody's ever heard anything about. So, you know, great job, Rick. And I'm going to ask you for some comments on these trades. But just to go through it, 
The White Sox last week traded Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez um, to the Angels for catcher Edward Caro and left-handed pitcher Kai Bush. Caro um, is a highly touted um, prospect who you know still has to work on the hit tool a little bit. Is an amazing catcher, amazing thrower, and this guy Kai Bush is already uh, getting bombed at uh, at Double A. He's already had an outing where he's gotten shelled. They traded Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly to the Dodgers for right-handed pitcher Nick Nestrini, who seems to be highly thought of. Right-handed reliever Jordan Leisure, and then making absolutely no sense whatsoever, former White Sox. Trace outfielder Trace Thompson, uh, Clay Thompson's brother. I have absolutely no idea why they wanted him, considering that he's out for the year and is not signed for next year. But I guess they wanted him around. Maybe they're going to make him a coach. I have absolutely no idea. They traded Kendall Graveman to the Astros for catcher Corey Lee, uh, who, by the way, is likely to be the White Sox starting catcher next year and will likely come up before the end of the year. They traded Kenyon Middleton, a reliever who's had a really good year, sort of came out of nowhere um, to the Yankees for right-handed pitcher Juan Carella, um, who I believe is a bit of a lottery pick, 21 years old. Um, We'll see how that works out. They traded for left-handed pitcher Luis Patino to the Tampa Bay Rays for cash. And then the one that was the absolute shocker, at least to me, they sadly traded Jake Berger, who started in the minor leagues this year, uh, then came in the majors, hit 25 home runs, 805 OPS, to the Miami Marlins for left-handed pitcher Jake Eater. Eater is coming off Tommy John surgery, is really well thought of. A couple observations that I thought were interesting. First of all, I thought it was amazing that – Five years ago, they made that trade where they got back Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez from the Nationals. Um, and actually, I'm blowing a gasket, forgetting who they uh, who they traded them, uh, who they traded for those two guys. And then those same two guys go in that deal to the Angels together, which is kind of wild. Um, the other observation is, with the exception of Trace Thompson, who I don't even consider to be a baseball player at this point. Every person that they traded for in each one of these deals was either a pitcher or a catcher, which is basically telling you that they traded for need, which is not something that I feel very good about. Um, It makes me think that they were not necessarily looking for the best player. They were looking for the best pitcher or catcher. Those are things that obviously they need the best or they need the most. So, Phil, what are your thoughts in general on these trades? Uh, You know, the trades are what they are. We'll find out. As time goes on, my thoughts on them are obviously something had to be done. But my biggest disappointment is the general manager of the White Sox. You left this guy in charge again to make all these moves and make all these picks. So, you know, since I have zero faith in Rick Hahn anymore, you know, it's just sad. I think the whole organization is sad. And these picks, uh, you know, there's nobody's going to know how they are until they prove what they are. Uh, my opinion is because of who got to make all the decisions, you know, it's probably going to be, you know, nothing great. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, Han, did you see uh, Steve or listen to the press conference he held yesterday? I did. And he had a, this guy. I did. Yeah, well, he made ahead. a very interesting point. So let me, so interesting that you should bring this well, up. Well, let me, let me say what he said. Let me say something he said. This is a quote. 
He said none of us wanted to be in this position, but we all felt very good about what we were able to accomplish. Are you freaking kidding me? And I'd like to know who we all is. We all felt very good about what we were able to accomplish. You know, when, when this guy makes a comment like that in a press conference and he had a smiley grin on his face and, I, you know, I, I'm just the guy, he's pathetic. And, and Reinsdorf, sadly, uh, I think Han knows he's never going to get fired and he could just do whatever he wants and, and, and just keep mediocrity on the table. For well, here's side. an interesting point that he actually said after that and you know, I think what he was referring to is what he accomplished was obviously what they accomplished at the deadline, but I still agree with you because what they accomplished is having to get rid of, you know, a third of the, you know, 26 man roster um, because they were not competing for anything. But here's what he said right after that. We still have many impactful talents in Chicago competing for the postseason is viable in 2024 in all candor sitting here 55 minutes after the deadline proclaiming this is where we're going to get going in 24 isn't exactly our mission right now he then said the organization is much stronger for 24 and beyond what that looks like at the big league level in 24 let's get to the end of the season first you will hear directly what the plan is from the people in charge. So he referred to this obligatory people in charge. Shouldn't he be saying from me? So I wonder, have they already told him, hey, you know what? You're going to get an opportunity to clean up your mess because we're not going to get rid of you during the season. So consult with us and make the best deals that you can. But you're not going to be the general manager this year because I, I don't know. Maybe it was a slip of the tongue. Maybe he was tired after staying up all night making trades. But it doesn't sound to me like he's any sure thing to come back. Well, and he shouldn't. I mean, I, I can't believe he was allowed just to still be in the position he was in. I, the guy sucks at what he does. I, You know, he thinks the White Sox fans are so gullible to think that, you know, all these prospects are going to turn into superstars. And that's literally all he's got. He's got a bunch of prospects. You know, he goes and grabs Trace Thompson. I believe he's a career 155 hitter. He's 32 years old. And, and you want us to believe these prospects and somebody like Trace Thompson is going to turn this team around after he got rid of supposedly the best, some of the best talent they had. I'll guarantee you that Dylan Cease and 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 uh, Anderson and Jimenez are sitting there in the locker room saying to themselves, why the frick didn't they get rid of us? You know, they got to be disgusted to be left on that team. And I, I just believe they there's no professional athlete that wants to be on a team that sucks. And I think these guys have enough brains to realize this team is going to suck for a long time. The, Han just, uh, it's disgusting that this guy's still around. As a lifelong White Sox fan, I'm not buying into this bullshit anymore and seeing a bunch of prospects and then halfway through next season, they'll be pulling hammies and they won't have, they'll be told by the coach not to run hard to first. And, you know, it's, I, I don't get me, it's horrible. Horrible. So, do any of these trades stand out to you? Are there any of them that you that you liked from a baseball standpoint? Because the bottom line is, as far as at least I'm concerned, I'm still stuck with the White Sox, and I am going to watch it whether whether I'm happy about it or not. 
And I have to be honest with you, I do sort of like watching prospects. I like watching new guys where it appears that they could turn out to be something, um, particularly younger guys. So, I mean, just just it is what it is. Again, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but any of these trades that you find to be interesting, that you're interested to see kind of what these guys look like? Uh, I got zero interest in Steve, I'll be honest with you, because once again, they're all prospects. I you know, I don't expect to be watching prospect baseball in July. And if I'm going to spend time and watch baseball, I'm going to start watching teams that are going to make the playoffs because, to me, uh, maybe after playoff hockey, I do love watching playoff baseball. Always have my whole life. I certainly didn't see a lot of Chicago teams in my lifetime in the playoffs, so I didn't watch a lot of Chicago playoff baseball but I like playoff baseball. I like when good teams play each other. So I'll probably start concentrating on watching some of the other teams that are going to be making the playoffs and concentrate on those players so I enjoy the experience even more come the fall. Yeah, no, I got. I probably will not watch another minute of White Sox baseball. I'm that disgusted about them. I'll read about their prospects, and that's all they are is prospects, Steve. And, you know, to our fans out there, you know, you buy into another bullshit session from Rick Hahn that he's going to turn this around and he's going to, I, I don't believe it anymore. I'm tired of it. So we'll see what happens. But no, I'll watch other teams play baseball this year. What is your reaction to the Jake Berger trade? Well, I'm happy for Jake Berger. I'm glad he's not stuck in this morose of a baseball team. I'm, I'm glad for, as a young man, this guy's done it. He finally made it. He's proven himself. He's a 20-plus home run guy. He's not a prospect anymore. Um, you know, I'm glad he got to a team that could be a winner and, and an organization that has certainly proven itself um, to bring guys up and, and, and put the right pieces together. So I'm happy for Jake Berger. I'm, you know, being stuck with the White Sox, like I say, I'll guarantee you those players I named earlier are probably disgusted that they, had, they got stuck with this mess and they got to perform and they got to try to you know, show like they're having a great time because I guarantee as professional athletes, they're not. I thought it was very interesting. You know, Berger, you know, Berger obviously has had a good year. I mean, he's hitting only 214 and he's got an on-base percentage in the 270s. So obviously not good, but he's, you know, the guy had 25 home runs and less than 300 at-bats um, and clearly was doing a much better job of drawing walks over the last month. And you would think that still has some upside. And I guess they just felt like they had duplication, too many DHs, too many first basemen, too many third basemen. And they must really like this guy, Jake Eater. Because the other thing about Berger is he seems like one of the guys that you could still sort of get behind and be happy. You know, he's very likable. I like him. The kids like him. You know, he's got the nice wife and the cute baby. And I don't know. He's a very, very popular player. And I was very, very surprised that, that he got dealt. And it is interesting, too, because it shows how one bad move can lead potentially to another bad move. Because I will certainly guarantee you that if Yuan Moncada was not on this roster, then there is no way in hell they would have traded Jake Berger because they would just simply need a third baseman. You know, so you've got, you know, basically the guy wasn't going to play second. I know he played second a few times last week, but he's going to have to DH and you got Aloy to do that. And, and, you know, or you're going to have to play him potentially at first, but I guess they're committed to Vaughn, who, by the way, I think I'd rather have Berger than Vaughn um, because at least Berger has an elite skill, which he can hit the ball out of the ballpark. 
And, um, you know, and obviously they're just committed to Mankata at third. They owe him $24 million next year. So I will tell you, if there is one trade that we are going to watch over and over and over, we are going to be following what Berger does and what Jake Eater does because this Jake Eater guy better be good because Berger is not a guy that if he's hitting that you want to see leave because he is a fun guy to watch and a really good guy. So I was just shocked by that deal. Uh, I was shocked by it too, and more more shocking is, and you know, you and I mentioned it in previous conversations. You know, come, I give it about two weeks when Makata gets hurt again. Um, you know, who the White Sox putting at third base? So that'll be interesting when the Sox don't have a first baseman or third baseman. I'm sorry. Yeah, when Makata goes down, which he will, Makata is not going to play the next two months of the season um, without coming out. So that will happen. You can guarantee that. Mark my word. So it'll be interesting to see who the Sox put at third base because they literally do not have a third baseman. If well, they're going to obviously throw Remillard or you know whoever out there would be my would be my guess. But but I agree with you that it's just going to be sort of a, a throw in guy. And um, the other thing that I don't quite understand is now that the trade deadline has expired, what in the hell are Grandal? And Elvis Andrews doing on this team? That's what I want to know. Like, you don't you want to see Lenin Sosa? I mean, the guy's got 16 home runs at Charlotte. He looks the, this guy has not looked good in the major leagues, but he has looked phenomenal at, at Charlotte. Like, don't we want to see that guy? And you know, looking at the lineup tonight, neither Grandal or Andrews is in the is in the lineup. You know, and then you've got. Um, obviously Zavala is going to, you know, is already catching the, the majority of the time. You've got Carlos Martinez and you're going to bring up Corey Lee. And what are you going to do? You're going to waste a roster spot on, you know, just keeping Osmani Grandal around. Like I, I just don't get it. And it's pretty clear the way that Grandal is playing this year, that he's not going to be in baseball next year. And all you need to know by that is if you saw what was going on at the deadline, the White Sox were willing to give him away, meaning that they were willing to trade him for cash considerations if somebody would simply pay his salary for the next two months. And they couldn't even find anybody to give up nothing and pay him. So clearly he's going to be out of baseball next year. And certainly the same thing with Andrews, you know, a 35 year old middle in and, and you know what? He's had a really good career. I love the guy, but a 35 year old middle infielder who's hitting 205. Um, and by the way, has made a lot of errors this year. He's not going to be back either. So I don't know what they're trying to prove by keeping these guys on the roster, but it's it's bad. And how do you think how do you think Tim Anderson feels right now, Steve? Um, I mean, did you did you expect him to be gone? I I think that I had to probably have it at sixty forty that he would not be traded. I'm not, because I wasn't sure really what the market was for him. You know, I know that the Marlins were interested in him and I guess the Red Sox, but I think that the White Sox, because he's been hitting in the second half of the year, I think they just figured might as well keep around. Maybe we get more for him in the off season or the deadline next year. You know, the other thing is too, is that Colson Montgomery, you know, who is their number one prospect and who is hitting the cover off the ball, you know, in the minor leagues. I don't think he's going to be ready for next year because he's missed most of the year this year. So maybe they just feel like, hey, we'll get one more year out of this guy. How he's feeling, I don't know. Like, I guess you would want to get traded to a winner. But by the same token, I don't know. I mean, like, maybe 
maybe you don't want to get traded. You know, maybe you don't want to have to go somewhere else. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't know. I mean, I know that certainly it looked like Jake Berger was in shock that he got traded. I'm sure he's excited to be going to a place where he can potentially compete for a playoff spot. But um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, but yes, I would think that, you know, guys who want to win were very happy to get the hell out of here. Yes. Yeah. And, and they all want to win. So, uh, yeah, it's like I said, like we started off, this Han situation is just mind boggling to me. Absolutely mind boggling. You know, I can go on about, you know, would love to know what Kenny Williams role is with the organization. Uh, you know, if he has any kind of uh, any kind of management position with the team, because why isn't he responsible for something? Um, but it's just pathetic. Uh, Reinsdorf, you know, he, I think he just needs to fade into the sunset, but I don't think it's happening soon. It's his ball. He bought it. He gets to play with it. He gets to do whatever he wants. I just think he sucks at what he's doing. And I think, you know, and Han is just the epitome of it all. So uh, I've, I've lost interest in him for this year. And it's very interesting, and, and, you know, I think you've made a good decision by saying that you're going to go to better teams who are going to make the playoffs, because this has just been a great baseball season with the exception of, you know, the, the White Sox and a bunch, and there have been a lot of really interesting stories. You know, obviously the AL Central is not particularly interesting, but then you've got, you know, Baltimore, who if you would have told me that they would be in first place and the Yankees would be in last place, um, in August, I'm not sure that I would have believed you. Um, and they've just, they've been unbelievable. And then you take a look at, you know, Texas and Houston, as we record this, are, are tied um, for first place in the, you know, in the West. Um, you know, you have the Angels who have been on a little bit of a run and have, uh, you know, have sort of kept things together here at the deadline with Otani, you know, made that deal for uh, Giolito and Lopez. So I think that's interesting. Clearly the Atlanta Braves are heads and tails above the rest of Major League Baseball. They're just an unbelievable team. 69 wins, 651 uh, winning percentage. Uh, you know, and then Cincinnati is in, you know, is in first place, despite the fact that they lost 20 to 9 to the Cubs last night, which was unreal. Um, despite injuries, the Dodgers, you know, continue to stay in first place. And then you got the Giants only, uh, you know, only two and a half back over there. And, you know, you got a whole bunch of teams within three and a half games of the wild card, you know, in the American League and, you know, very similarly in the National League. So it's really interesting stuff that's going on. And even the bad teams have been interesting. The complete implosion and underperformance of the Mets trading both Scherzer and Verlander, which, my God, if I would have told you that Scherzer and Verlander would both be traded, you know, the last offseason, you would never believe it in a million years. You know, I think the Cubs have been, a, you know, been a bit of a surprise. They've been playing really well. And I thought that was a yeah, yeah, yonder Carol, uh, Candelario acquisition was a terrific acquisition for them. It's exactly, you know, what they needed. So a lot of really interesting stories going on in baseball. Yeah, I was going to bring that up about the uh the Cubs trade there that uh, we don't talk a lot about the Cubs, which I could care less, but that was a, you know, a move that surprised me that the Cubs are actually making a play to say we're in this this year and uh, we're going to, we're going to take a shot at this and I give them a lot of credit for it. So, uh, you know, I'll be glad if they make it, that'd be awesome for them. Well, you know, not a big fan, but uh, for them to, you know, make an aggressive move like that, I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, back to once again, to just watch the playoffs, it's just time to, you know, for me to concentrate. I do it in football season. I love the Bears, but by week 12 or so, I start watching the 
you know, the Bills and the Chiefs and the, and the uh, 49ers and the Eagles and the Bengals and start watching the teams that I know are going to be playoffs and be good teams. So I'm a little more attuned to the uh, to the games when they come on later in the season. By the way, breaking news, uh, Jake Berger is in the lineup, Marlins, Phillies, and he is 0 for 1 with a ground out so far. So there's your, there's your Jake Berger news. I have not seen a picture of him in a Marlins uniform yet. Yeah, and didn't our buddy Lynn get kind of beat like a baby seal uh, in his first outing? Um, no, he got a win. He got a win. Uh, he pitched well. Did yeah, he get he the win? Well. All right. All right. I thought, I thought he got hit. I mean, it was against Oakland, there. but he was basically similar to what he's been here. He like, he's been back. decent. He threw a bunch of innings. You know, he's been he's been fine. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but anyway. So, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll so, what else you got? What other topics you got, Phil? You know, I don't know. We didn't touch on a few other things that have been uh, front and center in sports uh, in Chicago lately. We certainly have a quite interesting situation going on at Northwestern University, and it's a it's a scandal. It's a shame. Um, I think a lot's going to come out of it. I think it's probably going to come out at other universities as well. Um, but it's uh, it's a shame what's going on there for uh, Chicago's only Big Ten team uh, to see. Uh, how that, how that came you know, I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about that and how you have said, oh, I got the Marlins on now, how you have said that you think that that's going on um, all over the place. And, and I very well may be wrong or maybe naive or maybe both. And I'm not suggesting that Northwestern is the only place where hazing is going on. But you know what I think about at Northwestern that maybe there is an issue that isn't in other places is because there is a huge amount of continuity of Northwest, at Northwestern. If you think about Pat Fitzgerald you know, as a player, as a graduate assistant, as an assistant coach, as the head coach, I mean, you're talking about going back 25 years. And obviously the world was very different 25 years ago. And I just wonder, have a lot of these things continued because there's so much continuity over the years with that program? And maybe did he get, you know, some trust that, and, and, you know, lack of oversight that other people didn't get? And maybe did he in his mind sort of take certain things for granted because he was basically there for the last 25 years or whatever? So I don't know. Like, I just don't think that it's as common maybe as you think. And it doesn't mean that I'm right and that you're wrong. I'm just saying that, you know, I think we view it differently. And again, I'm not suggesting that um, th- that it does not, you know, that hazing doesn't exist in other places. But I think that there's a thing at Northwestern that may not be at other places. Well, you know, but then the other thing you can think of at other places, when stuff like this may fester and may boil a little, I think they there's other schools and institutions that will say, "Hey, we got to get this put beside us and put behind us. We got to move on because we got to win a championship. We got to start playing some football, and we got to get another title, and we got to get to another bowl game." And we and, and none of those expectations are at Northwestern, in in almost any of their sports. Um, so you know that expectation to uh, consistently win at a high level is not there. So maybe other schools, you know, I don't want to name other schools and then people think, I think there's hazing scandals going on there, but you know, they may say we got to get back to what we really do good here. And that's uh, win championships, but Northwestern doesn't have any of that there. So, because they supposedly have had some hazing issues in other sports, female sports, 
uh, baseball, I think the girls' soccer, uh, I think it's all coming out of the woodwork with other things at Northwestern. So it's more than Pat Fitzgerald, let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the whole, you know, the whole baseball thing. But I, I don't know. I mean, they have they clearly have shown that they have leadership issues over there because the way that they have handled this thing has just been terrible. The way that they have handled crisis PR is terrible. The fact that they haven't, you know, gone in front of the media and done a press conference is ridiculous. You know, now they hired Loretta Lynch, which I think is good, um, you know, to do an investigation of the place. But it's, um, yeah, it's a bad, it's a bad situation over there. So uh, following Bears training camp at all? Because I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not following it yet. It's a little too early for me to uh, start following that. There's a lot of press. You could read a lot about it, that's for sure. But uh, a little too early for me. I'll start looking at it maybe after the second or third preseason game. I'll start studying that. So, but other than that, that's about it. Oh, you know, and the other thing we didn't touch base on is uh, in Chicago sports is the loss of Rocky Wirtz, uh, 70 years old, uh, suddenly passed away. You know, he's a sports icon in this city. He's a guy that took a team from over from his tyrannical father. Uh, he wasn't even supposed to get the team. Everybody assumed it was going to his brother, Peter. You know, the dad passes away. They read the will, and it's Rocky. Rocky ran the, the liquor business, but he got put in that position. And I'll tell you what, he grabbed it by the horns, and he turned an organization around. He turned a city fan base around like I've never seen before. Maybe the early Bulls. But I've never seen a guy turn a sports franchise around like that. He brought in the right people. They did a lot of the right things. They did a few major mistakes. Uh, obviously, the one scandal with the sexual abuse of the one player, which is horrible, what happened under his reign. So, But all in all, uh, I think the guy did a lot of good for the city of Chicago, for the sports scene of Chicago. So it'll be interesting to see how, assuming his son takes over. Uh, they've got the number one prospect in hockey. Uh, so the excitement could start all over again, but he certainly has got some huge fill, shoes to fill uh, for what his father did for the last 15 years. Yeah, um, I, I think that you described it well. It's a mixed legacy. You cannot argue that the guy turned the franchise around, won three Stanley Cups. Um, you know, they're, they're in a pretty good situation right now. Um, but the, you know, certainly a, a mixed legacy. So, uh, but, but thanks for, for bringing that up. Okay. Well, um, that is it for cigars and sports Chicago episode 41. Phil, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming today and, uh, we will talk to everybody soon. Bye. Down by the riverside